Chapter 7 of Arona Hope We were led into a set of large rooms close to the Great Hall that overlooked the city through expansive, wavy glass windows. Upon arriving, we found many of the wounded passengers, including Jack, laying on mats on the floor and being cared for. I felt relieved to finally feel safe for a moment and to know that all my brothers were still alive. This place is incredible said Drew, gazing out the window as a gentle-looking Elden woman in a white-pointed hat applied a poultice of wet leaves to a large gash on his arm. I just don't understand how we can be in some other world, said Cuppy, scratching his now long, dark facial hair in frustration. Maybe they're confused? I mean, I need to get back to my family. Who are these tiny people? Why'd they capture us like that? What are they planning on doing with us? We gotta get out of here. Don't worry. At least we're one step closer, I assured him. One step closer? Are you crazy? Cubby snapped. We're on a different planet. What's happening? For all we know, he's just going to tie us up again. I feel like I'm in a bad dream. He stomped off, going out into the large balcony. Cubby seemed to be breaking down. I'd never seen him act like this before. The thought of his family just thinking he was dead and realizing that he might never see them again was clearly affecting his emotions. Just then, an older elder man came in and walked straight towards me and Drew. He wore the same oversized slouchy hat like the men who sat next to the king in the great hall. His long gray beard was braided and tucked into his black leather pants. From there his beard must have split because it came out of two pockets and then wrapped around each leg. Are you the leader of this tribe? He asked Drew. Well, not, not really, why do you ask? Could you point me to the leader? Our king wishes to sit next to him at dinner and speak with him. Uh, okay, I... I suppose in that case I am the leader of these people. He glanced over at me and slightly rolled his eyes. Very well. Please sit next to the king once you are guided into the feast hall. It'd be an honor, said Drew, as the little man walked off. I leaned over to him and spoke in a low voice. What do you make of all this? Well, these people speak English and they know of our world, said Drew, looking deep in thought. I suppose things could be much worse. Man, I, I don't know how you both keep such a good attitude, said Cubby, returning from the balcony. Everyone probably thinks we're dead. I can't even imagine what Amanda's going through, and, and, and Mom and Dad, I mean, just look at Jack. He could be dying over there for all we know. We've got to figure out how to get home and get home now. I know, Cubby, I know, I said. We're just trying to figure things out. Where did Drew just walk off to? He asked as his eyes searched the room. He went over there with that girl again, the one from South Africa. He looked to where I was pointing and could see Drew crouched down next to the girl named Marin. She had been severely wounded when the Eldens attacked and had cuts covering her body. Drew sat by her with concern, watching as the Eldens cared for her. I knew he liked her, I said, smiling, but I guess we all knew that. Marin and Drew had become friends in the last couple days before the attack. It took him several days before he finally mustered up the courage to talk to her. Unknowingly to Drew, my brothers and I had bets on how long it would take him. It was obvious he had a crush on her, and we saw him always staring at her and trying to help her out around camp, though we never knew any of us knew that. Drew is a very private person, and a man of few words when it comes to his emotions. He had been like that his whole life. Marin was really pretty, with long blonde hair, a slim build, pale cream skin, and a sweet smile. I was proud when I saw him finally make the move, even though I lost the bet. I admired his courage, knowing the fear of rejection would have probably taken me weeks longer if I had been in his shoes. Approximately an hour went by before a group of finely dressed Eldens appeared in the room. Those of you who feel in good health, please follow, one of them announced in broken English. 
before turning around and walking off, followed by the others. All of us except Jack and the other severely wounded were guided through the several ornate candlelit hallways. These passages were richly decorated with long velvet carpets and many small round windows looking out over the city. We followed the group of Eldons to the same grand wooden avenue we had arrived at until we reached another platform. Once we were all in place, this platform began rising, and we slowly ascended to an even higher, smaller road, running perpendicular to the Grand Avenue. We walked along the higher road, which I noticed was slowly raising higher, as we walked for several minutes until I saw our destination. Another tree, this one even larger than the first. Wrapped around the trunk of this magnificent tree was a sprawling palace, beautiful beyond words. It was at least ten levels high, each with large balconies where Eldons and their eagles continued to land as we approached. The man leading us stopped, turned, and bowed to us. Welcome to the Grand Palace of Elden. By this time, the road we were on had been slowly elevated, so that it perfectly connected with a walkway that came out from the palace tree. Horns blew, and the large wooden doors, which had the same eagle emblem as the Grand Hall, slowly opened. A towering spiral staircase had been carved right through the middle of the tree, curling up to the different levels of the palace. We walked up the staircase to the highest level, and were amazed when it opened into a large circular room made entirely of intricately decorated glass. One long wooden table followed the pattern of the room and circled around the circumference of the tree. Enormous stone fireplaces were somehow built right into the trunk. The view out of the windows was beyond description. It was as if the incredible city of Elden went on forever. Please sit here, said our guide as he pointed to several chairs near the end of the table. At the head was a throne-like chair of twisted branches. As we waited for the king to arrive, we sat and talked about the mysterious city and our confusing circumstances. Engravings of all kinds completely covered the treeside walls. Suddenly, the king's eagle landed on the narrow glass plank extending from the window near us. The king, who I thought seemed old and frail, jumped like a young man from his eagle before it even landed. He strode into the dining hall with kingly grace. Please accept my sincerest apologies, he said in his funny accent. These are terrible times we face. Enemies from a far-off kingdom continue to invade our lands and slaughter my people. One of our villages was just attacked and burned to the ground. Yes, dark times indeed. Hasn't been like this for an age. As soon as he sat down, Eldens hurried out in every direction, returning with large metal platters filled with food and drinks of all kinds. Thick passing clouds crept up through the cracks of the wooden floor as we started to eat, creating a magical atmosphere. We're very sorry for your loss, said Drew. I believe we passed through that village. It was, it was a horrible sight to see. Ah, yes, it's true. And we've been unable to find the attackers of yet. More attacks seem to be coming every month, explained the king, as he started to eat an array of strong-smelling mysterious meats. I fear the city of Elden will continue to take in more and more refugees. It has become too dangerous to live outside our great walls again. What kingdom are they from? Who are these enemies? I asked. A kingdom of men. I assume, like yourselves, but, but truly evil. Their leader is a power-hungry and barbaric human named King Akat. He brainwashes his subjects, the Taronks, to believe he is a god. When they don't kill my people, they take them away and enslave them, many times offering them up as sacrifices. His voice grew angrier as he violently ripped apart the meat in front of him. We will find and destroy them. 
I have sent scouts out in every direction to track this band of murderers. They can't be far. This is why we attacked you as we did. When I heard there were men living in my kingdom, I thought it must be the Taronks. I'm sorry for those of you who were hurt. You, you said humans, said Cubby anxiously. Are they from Earth as well? Yes, yes, there, there are many men from your planet here on Arona. This is how I came to speak your tongue. The Queen's English is what Henry called it. He was a great teacher. Who is this Henry? I asked. His name was Henry Hudson. He came to Arona as you did, under mysterious circumstances. He spent several years in Elden with me and became a good friend of mine. He taught me much of your world before leaving in an effort to return home. Did he get home? Asked Cubby eagerly. How long ago did he leave? Hmm, let me see, said the king. He stroked his long white beard and peered over at the crackling fire. It was several hundred years ago now. My memory isn't what it used to be. Several hundred years ago? Explained Cubby. Did he get home? Well, I'm not sure. That was the last I heard of him. I, I begged him not to go, but he was a stubborn and ambitious man. Said he had a score to settle. Left with his son and two other men to the kingdom of Nudonia. Nudonia? What is that? Asked Cubby. Another kingdom of Earthmen far from the south of here. A kingdom ruled by a just king named Richard. Haven't talked to him in an age. Originally from England, like Henry. Hope he is well. I'd heard that King Richard knew a way to return back to your world, but who knows, though. I mean, it seems impossible to me. How do we get there? Asked Cubby, standing up. <laughs> Whoa, set her down. Easy there, young lad. Maybe she'll eat something first. Noticing Cubby hadn't touched his food. Besides, you just arrived, and I, I don't think most of you people are in any condition to make the long and perilous journey to Nudonia. How far is this Nudonia, good king? Asked Drew politely, gently pulling Cubby back down. Well... That depends. If if you go by land, it could take many months. But if you went to cast stone first and board a ship, you could you could be there much faster. That is, if you caught a good southerly wind. A few months! Exclaimed Cubby. There must be another way. I I have to get back to my family. He stood up and walked over to the window, fuming silently. I glanced over at the king, who seemed confused. I'm sorry, I said to the king. My brother is anxious to get back to his family. We've been through a lot these past days, and we don't need to be impolite or ungracious. I understand, he assured me. I will do what I can to help you. It is the Elden way. After cooling off, Cubby walked over and sat back down, somewhat embarrassed. The king could tell that he was still very upset. In an attempt to relieve the tension, he stood up and raised his decorated glass to give a toast. I'm sure many of you have questions and are confused by what you see, said the king. I assure you, I will do everything in my power to help you return to your families. In the meantime, we will help with the wounded and prepare for your journey home. I have instructed my people to treat you as the most welcome guest. I personally look forward to learning more of your home and spending time together. Now please, excuse me. Our kingdom has been invaded and I must plan accordingly with my generals. With that, he quickly hurried over to his waiting eagle, and before he knew it, he was gone. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying my one-man show that is the Storyteller Podcast. If you are, please give me one of those great five-star reviews on iTunes, and share my podcast with your friends on social media. You can also join my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash adamjames, where you can access additional content, ask me questions, and even listen to bonus episodes. Thanks again, and we'll continue in the next episode, back here on Arona, in the magical city of Elden.